Hi everyone, uh, my name's Debbie and I'm um, a recovering alcoholic and a very grateful member of the program of AA. Um, and if it wasn't for that program, I truly believe that I wouldn't be here today. I've, um, I'm coming up to my 21st AA birthday in December and if you'd told me 21 years ago that I would still be here and definitely not drinking, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, I will start with my story. I came into this program at the age of 45, a broken and shattered woman um, that thought that all she needed to do was stop drinking and I had no idea what was ahead of me and what an amazing journey I was going to be put on. I started drinking in my early teens and didn't understand why I turned into that person at such a young age that I really actually hated. I could see people drinking around me at an early age, thinking, um, why were they doing that? But I picked up a drink very quickly in my teens and suddenly realised that it turned me into the person that I wanted or thought I wanted to be. And I started for a very long time. That journey took me into places where my mask continually changed. And um, for a while, I do believe that the alcohol saved my life. I believe that that alcohol stopped all those fears and insecurities that I had no idea I was carrying. <clears throat> and to this day, I can still that scratch the surface and they're still there, but I have the tools today to deal with that. I was a very insecure child. I didn't come from, I thought, an alcoholic family. My parents, um, well, my dad drank, but not to excess. Um, we had special occasions where relatives drank but um, the more I look into my drinking story I can remember going to weddings where I'd be the little kid under the table um, waiting for people not to look and I'd, I'd go around picking up all the dregs out of the glasses and pour them all into one and drink drink it all. I, I didn't think there was an issue with that at all. <clears throat> you know dad used to give us shandies when we were kids and stuff like that and I used to love the taste. I used to really love the taste and um, I um, I was a kid that had to excel at everything, otherwise I wouldn't attempt anything. I, I was a perfectionist at school. I would, um, I suffered from anxiety from a very young age. I had uh, body image issues because I'm quite a small woman and... Um, and therefore, my my self esteem was sort of rock bottom. And uh, the only time that I started to feel even at some form of normal level was when I picked up that first drink, and I um, <clears throat> I felt like I could fit in. And uh, unfortunately, fitting in for me was fitting in with the wrong crowd. I uh, it drink took me from a very young age, um, even into my jobs. Um, I was around people that were a lot older than me. And um, I was first uh, surrounded by the entertainment business and um, and that introduced me to a lot of um, very interesting people, to say the least. And I tried to be one of them at a very young age and, um, of course, that involved drinking. And thank God for me that the drugs didn't come into that story as well. Otherwise, I don't believe that I would be here at all. <clears throat> so from then on, I uh, I just drank and drank and drank and um, it took me to some pretty interesting places and for a while there I was having fun. Well, I thought I was having fun anyway and uh, this went on 
for a very, very long time. It took me to different jobs where I ended up working mainly with men. Um, I found that, and I look back now and I realise that a lot of my insecurities um, around other women is because of my low self-esteem and my wanting to compare myself to everyone else. I could not be comfortable in my own skin and um, I was never happy with the way I looked or the way I behaved. So alcohol changed me into who I thought I should be, wherever I was. If you wanted me to act like this, I would act like that. Um, but unfortunately, as the years rolled on, I couldn't control the way I wanted to behave around certain people. I was just becoming out of control. And um, I've heard many a story in the rooms of AA that <clears throat> I, once you pick up that first drink, you can't um, guarantee your behaviour. I could... After many years of drinking, I could guarantee my behaviour was going to be appalling. It was just what degree of bad it was going to be. And um, there were occasions where um, I would wake up with guilt, shame and remorse. And, and my drinking was a daily basis um, from a very early age. And it got me... My drink driving was absolutely shocking, Um I did have an accident at the age of 19 where it was fatal. Um, unfortunately, um, yeah, uh, a 16-year-old was killed. <clears throat> and uh, you would think that that would stop someone from drinking. But um, unfortunately, this disease doesn't allow you to make that choice. Um, I had no choice and I didn't understand that. And everyone on the sidelines could not understand why I was on this road to self-destruction. It was, I was a train wreck. And um, members of my family and so-called friends at the time saw little snippets of my drinking, and that was bad enough. No one really had the opportunity to put my whole picture, my whole life story of drinking together, thank God, at the time. <clears throat> People tried to help me along the way, um, but I managed to gravitate towards people who drank like me and uh, which led me to some pretty seedy places with some pretty seedy people. And I got myself into some seriously dangerous situations. I, I lost days at a time where I would wake up in places where I had no idea where I was or what had happened to me. And there were other times where when things were happening to me, I, um, I wasn't in any position, particularly physically, um, to get myself out of those positions. So I, I live with all that trauma as well. Um, but life went on and I thought that if I changed by just getting married, um, that would help. But I always, always didn't realise how sick I was with this disease. <clears throat> and I ended up in my first marriage marrying another drinker um, not an alcoholic, but he enabled me to drink, and I understand that today. He tried to help me by going out and making sure that I had enough drink at home so that I wouldn't go out, and particularly after I had my daughter, that I wouldn't leave her home in the cot by herself. But that didn't stop me. And um, to this day, you know, I think of some of the things that happened while I was a young mum, and um, I would leave my daughter home and... Uh, I would go out and get that next drink and uh, I was already drunk before I went out. And this is what an alcoholic does. An alcoholic gets drunk to go out, not the other way around. You know, a social drinker goes out to get drunk. 
but uh, not me, not me. I had to have that drink. I, I had to have that drink to feel some form of normality. And uh, life went on, and life was terrible. And um, that marriage ended, and um, and I still drank. And, um, yeah, life just got worse. I, I truly just wanted to live a single life and to be left alone, but had this massive bag of responsibility, including, um, you know, husband, child, mortgage, everything that went along with it. I did my best. Um, I tried to put on that double double face, live a double life. But life was catching up with me and the lies and the deceit um, were catching up with me. People were catching me out where I'd been, who I'd been with. And um, and I just denied everything. I... Um, I, I knew I had an issue with alcohol, but I, that wasn't what I wanted. I didn't want to stop drinking. I just wanted the problems to go away. I just wanted everyone to just leave me alone and let me get on with it. And as life went on, I, um, my drink driving got worse and worse and worse. And um, unfortunately, I had, a, I had a daughter who um, was starting to witness all of my bad behaviour and... Um, to this day, um, she carries a lot of those scars with her. I, I know that today, and uh, I have made my amends through this program. But there are some things that you carry with you, particularly as a mother, that um, yeah, takes a long time for you to put the whip away and to stop stop beating yourself up about um, your behaviour as an alcoholic. This is a disease. We have an allergy and an obsession. Um, once you put that first drink into you. And if there's any woman out there listening to this, you know, the shame, the guilt and the remorse that comes with this disease um, can eat you up alive. Um, but at some point, um, when you get into the AA program, it teaches you that um, that's the past, that, that's what the disease has done to you. And you have a right to, um, to make amends to people and to get on with your life and pick up the tools of AA, the 12 steps of AA and... And to live a good life, um, and I'm not saying it's it's easy. It's it's um, it's a simple program, but it's for very complicated people. Uh, and I'm so glad when I first came into this program that I didn't understand that um, it's the emotional side of this disease which is the hardest to deal with. Um, I didn't understand. I would have to change everything about myself, the way I thought, the, my response to people's. Um, behaviour towards me and their words towards me because nothing was going to change in the outer world. Um, pe- things were still going to happen. I was still going to have life's problems but it was the way I was going to act towards that and, and to not react the way I used to towards things, not to have to pick up a drink just so that I could live with whatever was going on in my head and so life went on. Um, my daughter grew up, and um, things just got worse. I there were days where I I just wanted to die. I had suicide attempts before I even got into AA when I was a teenager because I couldn't even live with myself then. Like I said, the alcohol I think saved me in my early days. And um, but even in my early days of sobriety, I didn't understand that just putting down the drink isn't the whole solution. That's just a very small portion of the problem. But if I had been told when I walked into my first meeting (laughs) 
all the work I had to do on myself to get myself better and give myself a chance of a good life, I don't think I could have comprehended what was necessary. So all I did was um, my very first meeting came about because um, I had an extremely bad night of drink driving, which which was quite normal for me, and it was a very, very hot night. And um, my daughter was in the car, and um, I nearly killed us both. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I mean that quite seriously. And um, I, there was nothing different about that, but there was that one night where um, I woke up the next morning and something happened, something changed. I felt very sick. I was shaking and I rang AA and don't ask me um, who put that phone in my hand that morning. I, I, I don't know. I don't question this anymore. All I know is I was given that, that opportunity, that gift of desperation to pick up that phone and ask for help. And I was a shivering, shaking mess and I was crying. And um, I, there was a very gentle man on the other end of the phone who suggested um, a very good meeting with some strong members there. And I think he knew that I'd be a runner if I didn't hear what I needed <laughs> to hear. And I got to that meeting and um, I, I couldn't listen to everyone clearly because I was so sick and I was crying. Um, but what I did hear and what I did see was hope. And I heard from most of the speakers what I was feeling in me, and it was that spiritual and emotional pain um, that um, that I had felt nearly all my life, and I had tried to drown with the alcohol. And um, there was something my ears pricked up, and I just knew, I just knew that this was possibly my chance to get well because I had tried everything. I had tried changing different types of drinks because I thought maybe it was, you know, maybe it was the wine, maybe I'll go to beer or, or whatever. I tried everything. Um, I just absolutely, I tried um, psychologists and, and nothing worked. Nothing worked. I didn't understand that um, this disease had me by the throat and it was either going to kill me or um, I needed to do something about it and uh, I knew that I couldn't do it by myself. I tried for years to stop and um, I couldn't get past a day. Um, like, I just couldn't. I mean, even when I had hospital stays, um, I used to get, I used to sneak, sneak booze in. So I just couldn't do it and um, I'd hear, upset so many people along the way and promised so many people that, you know, I wouldn't do it again. You know, I promise, I promise. And I'd look into the eyes of people, particularly my mother, my daughter, um, people very close to me, and I would see the disappointment in their eyes because they thought I was purposely going out and doing things that I shouldn't be doing. And I had no control. I had no idea that it was that first drink that triggered the allergy and the compulsion. And, um, and I didn't understand any of that. So slowly, slowly... I went to my first meeting and I heard hope and, um, and and the friendliness that I found in those rooms. People came up and gave me hugs and shook my hand and, and said, keep coming back and it's the first drink that does the damage and they gave me phone numbers and and I dearly love to say that I did the right thing and <laughs> and um, I took advantage of those phone numbers but you know my ego was still running riot and um, you know I... 
I ran for many years in this program thinking that I was doing the right thing. And I did a lot of service work. I helped a lot of alcoholics go to meetings. I opened up meetings. And I did what I thought was the right thing to keep myself sober. I was certainly so uh, certainly dry. I wasn't drinking. But my, my head was running riot. And I couldn't understand why my personal life was still such a mess. I remarried in the first year of AA, which wasn't recommended to me. But um, I thought, Right, I'm, I'm, I thought I was sober now and I'd made, all my decisions were going to be the right ones. And unfortunately, um, that marriage was probably the worst thing I ever did. But, you know, that was a lesson I needed to learn. It, this program is not a race and um, I, I'm coming up to 21 years now and um, it took me at least 15 years to understand that I had to be, start to work on myself to become emotionally sober. Um, and that meant I had to change all of my way of thinking about everything. I had to remove toxic people from my life and I had to start working on what was really happening inside me, my thoughts, my patterns of behaviour, everything. And this has been a long, long journey for me, but with the help of people in this program and the steps in AA, um, you know, I'm, I'm slowly, slowly getting there. And like I said, this isn't a race and, you know, it, my life is, so simple now, but oh my God, it's so much better than what it ever was before. There is no drama. I still have, I won't call them problems, I'll, I'll just say situations as I've heard someone else say in AA. And, and, you know, like I have the tools now to work out that there's always an answer to these situations and um, to not get myself in into a position where I get so anxious that I feel like I need something to help me get out of that anxiety um, you know I go to AA meetings on a regular basis and you know many a person has said to me after 21 years you know like why do you still need to go I need to go because I will always be an alcoholic I have the disease of alcoholism and um, the the alcohol part of alcoholism is in the bottle and the isms are in me and I need to work on those on a daily basis because if my thinking is not right, um, my old behaviours can come back and I. but I understand now when that's happening and um, I pick myself up very quickly on that and I work out, you know, what's wrong with me, if there's something wrong with me in, or if I'm looking at someone else and blaming them and there's something deep inside of me that's hurting or, or I need to look at myself. But anyone out there that's listening... Um, AA, I know for this this alcoholic, was my last stop on that train track. Um, I had nowhere else to go. I know that um, I don't know if there's another drink in me. I don't want to go out there and find out. I've seen people come and go in AA, and I know people struggle. Only a small percentage of us get in, and then even a small percentage stay. But my God, what a gift it is if you if you are one of those few that come in to start with, I think we are some of the bravest people on this planet to actually step through that door and admit and accept that you're an alcoholic. Um, you're, that's the beginning of your journey to a wonderful life. You know, it doesn't have to be all glitter and sparkles, but my God, you, you can have just the most amazing life by just knowing that you are doing something that is so not natural for an alcoholic to do and that's to not pick up a drink and I've been doing that now 
for so long. Um, but I have to be vigilant. You know, I have to be very vigilant. My thinking can take me straight back there if if I allow it. You know, my, my old misery is back there for me if I want it. And it's a progressive disease. And I don't want to be that person anymore. I need to still remember what happened. I don't dwell on it. But um, I, I certain, and that's why I go to meetings. I go to meetings to help newcomers and also to remind myself of where I came from. Um, but I live in the hope now. I live, I live in recovery. Um, I live in the good life. And um, the AA program has given me that and it's given me so much more. You know, I have my daughter back in my life now and, um, and that is the biggest gift I've been given. Um, and it's just, uh, I, I can't recommend this program highly enough to anyone out there that that is struggling. You know, just give it a shot. Just reach out because um, the hand of AA is always there for the suffering alcoholic. And um, I thank God for those people on that Friday night that they were there for me because um, if that door had been shut that night and I'd rocked up into that car park and, and it was dark and no one was there... I can't guarantee I would have tried another night. I, I truly believe that something, something gave me that opportunity that night and I was so far down the scale that um, the gift of desperation was given to me and I, I needed I needed that. And uh, I was ready. I was ready for the picking. And um, uh, it, what a journey. What a journey it's been. It's, um, it's been up and it's been down. Um but what I've learned is the downs don't stay bad forever. Like I thought when I was drinking, and even before I was drinking in my teens, I always used to think that, you know, if I was really down and things were bad in my life, that that's how it was going to be forever. And um, I've learned now things come and things go, you know, and it's only a day at a time, you know. Like, And you can start your day any 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 time, you know, things things go bad you just think okay right I'm going to start my day right from this minute and uh, yet that positive attitude can come in and uh, this is what AA gives you AA gives you the tools um, to um, live a really truly wonderful life um, so I think that's about all I've really got to say I um, all I can say is I am just your uh, garden variety alcoholic. There's nothing special about me. Um, I, I don't put anyone on a pedestal in AA. You know, we're all in there for exactly the same reason. On the outer, we might look totally different, but I tell you what, on the inside, we're all the same. You know, we all came in, we come in in pain, you know, and, and the pain can end if you want it. You know, you've got to want this program. And as far as I'm concerned, I was well and truly done. I I had nowhere else to go and, um, you know, only the best is going to happen from here on in because, you know, I have no intentions of leaving this program and uh, just for today I haven't picked up a drink. So thank you.